0: hi everyone and welcome to the podcast under the stairs this is episode 389 I'm your host Duncan McLeish welcome to the show upon this episode we're continuing another week of summer series action hitting into the sevens a great group of podcasting hosts joining me for the entire week as we roll through 77 today 87 tomorrow 97 on Wednesday and 2007 on Friday. We are picking the third pick for each of those particular years in their respective decades to sit along and do the Thunderdome next year. So the choices have never been more important and trust me when I say you'll be glad that it was left in these safe hands. Before we get to that as always let's catch up with where we are under the stairs. Now this is a, let's see if we can do the math here, this is a six episode week. And that's primarily because last week was supposed to have six episodes and didn't. The file for my Fright Fest audio, for whatever reason, turned out to be corrupted as fuck. I blame copious amounts of internet porn and downloads from LimeWire. And that's a joke that only people from the 90s will get. And yeah, that's why that file... ...is now having to be re-recorded. So your week sounds a little like this. Today, 1977 tomorrow. 1987 Wednesday. 1997 Thursday. Your Fright Fest screener review that was corrupted. And then on Friday 2007 Saturday. No episode at all. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Knife of Ice, finally. <laughs> in the 88 Films Italian Collection series. On the Pots Collective... If my workings are correct, I'm recording Doing the Nasty on Sunday. And you know what that means? That episode is going to be out Sunday night. So there you go. Um, I will also stress that next week an episode will be put out on Monday. Now, I fully appreciate that Monday is a state day of mourning in the UK uh, to mark the Queen's burial. And as a result, I think pretty much everything is closing down. Um... I will be putting out an episode not because I'm anti-monarchy or anything along those lines. It's more that I have a schedule to keep of shows. They're already recorded, they're already programmed in and I can't really deviate from them now. So that episode will be out on Monday. I completely appreciate and understand if you don't check it out on Monday. That is your choice, it's your decision and yeah, you're well within your rights to do so. Now that I've got all that out of the way, let's get down to it. Shall we ladies and gents, let's do this thing. Welcome to a summer series episode. Welcome to the podcast under the stairs. Most importantly though, welcome to 1977. You see that crap? All that horror crap? Things coming out of
1: crates and eating people, dead people coming back to life, people turning into weeds for Christ's sake.
2: Well yes, I did, but I Well, you want
1: him reading that stuff?
2: Well, no, but All right then. I took care of it. That's why God made fathers, babe. That's why God made fathers. But I have proof, and tonight I'm going to show you something. You are me. You are me. Every humiliation which stood in his way could be swept aside by the simple act of annihilation. Murder. Lick my plate, you dog dicks! Murder. Lick my plate, you dog dicks! I believe in the life of As promised to us by Lord Jesus Christ! It is time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. Simple act of annihilation, murder. Wolfman's got nars. Most of all, fuck you. Fuck you, Osborn. That's fucking crazy, man. Ted, hey Ted, where the hell is Ark? Bro, goddamn motherfucker got blood all over my best clown suit. Stupid bitch, you <laughs> fucking <filthy> slut! Did you fuck with me? Most of all, fuck you! Because I cut off his legs. And his arm. And his head. And I'm gonna do the same to you.
0: Welcome back ladies and gents. Here we are. We have arrived another year of summer series recordings and we are trundling so fast now towards that final, you know, that final year. Um, couple still to go and this is 1977 on this episode. The entire week will be the sevens. Now originally, um, advertised is the word for, for this episode. We were supposed to have Jerry Herring. Sadly, um, he got struck by what seems like pretty nasty weather last night and it has knocked out everything for him. So he has sent me, because he trusts me and everyone on this recording also trusts me not to not to change things. He sent me his pics. Now, I will tell you what they are at the end of each episode and we'll see if it has any impact on what is going on. But I do have some incredible hosts that are here with me. So we're going to go around them, we're going to introduce them and then we're going to get down to some good old-fashioned business. Joining me on this episode, as he will be for the entire week, is my colleague, a long-time, long-suffering colleague over on Duncan and Bo, come correct. I mean, that show has been on the go for eight years, which means, like, we are almost one dog here. If that makes you feel any better, uh, Bo. <laughs> a dog, it does. A dog, <laughs> a dog paw, because we know what that means in Twin Peaks language. Um, yeah. Bo Ransdale, how are you doing?
3: i'm doing great it's it's exciting to talk about these movies uh it is always exciting to be part of the summer series uh i and i'm not being sarcastic when i say that which Good. is weird for me <laughs> um to say anything without at least a hint of irony uh but yeah no it, i always have a blast doing this it's a lot of fun i you know we're recording with a bunch of people now and get to record with as much as i would like so this is terribly exciting
0: Excellent, excellent. Right, let's say uh, continue the good times of Rolling Room Joining me is also a colleague of mine. Just, way I, I'm a simple podcaster blessed with many friends, which, I, I, like, is getting worse. That is, like, I don't even know what that was supposed to be. It sounds like a Muppet that's got. Like hitting the head or something? I don't know. Anyway, uh, joining me is a colleague of mine over at the Doing the Nasty podcast, where I have, for the past almost two years now, made this man watch some terrible movies. Uh, Is of course, uh, long-suffering Mark Ball. How are you doing?
4: Hello, gentlemen. Good morning. Uh, Not everything at Doing the Nasty was long-suffering. I actually just showed somebody Massacre Mafia style for the first Ah. time last night, and it went over very, very well. So that list has also provided us with some pure, pure fucking gold uh yeah dude i'm stoked to be here i'm sad this is the, the last summer series show for the year and then i, I it's it's kind of like the day after christmas for me i always get a little sad when these things are over i'm like oh now i gotta go back to just like watching shit on my own for the most part so
0: well if it makes uh, you feel any better when when this summer series finishes like the day after it finishes you have a list of 150 movies to watch so um that'll be fine because <laughs> that's next true. year that's, that's all of them um and i and, know uh, like a whole nine months to prep so yeah, sounds <laughs> I'm like looking forward to it, man. I,
4: I love I love doing
0: these. Awesome, right? Also joining me is another guy that I seem to have just known for years. um I'm going to be honest; there was a little bit of hero worship when it first started, when we first got in our relationship, because he was on a podcast that essentially influenced me to get into podcasting. But then he was on the Skeleton Crew. He's went through several iterations since, uh, but it's on Cup the Chase now. Is of course the phenomenal Dan Chase. How you doing, buddy?
5: I didn't know you were talking about me. I'm like, oh, who's he talking about? I was like, who influenced Duncan to get? That's a bit, thank you. Those are the kindest words that have ever been spoken about me. So thank you. No, it's it's great to be here. I'm looking at all you and all your names across the board, and I'm like, holy shit. I was like, I can fake it on my show to a certain extent, but I don't think I can fake it with y'all. The true fucking professionals here. So I'm ready to go, though. Let's fucking do it.
0: It's, it's so cool because this is your first summer series and um, yes. it, like the previous recording we did was an absolute fucking blast. I had so much fun with it, so very much looking forward to getting to get into this one. The last guy that's joining us, rounding out this collection of hosts here, um, has also been joining me a lot on podcasts under the stairs. We worked through a, a, what some people would say was a thank list task. But I would say, how dare you sit down and shut the fuck up. We went through those uh, forgotten Box sets and we have started, although we've only ever done one movie. And we are going to do more, I promise. Um, A a more convoluted system of movie reviews that I'm very excited to do. He is one of the, just pound for pound reviewing, um, the hardest working podcaster out there. Like every show has like a hundred reviews. Is of course Mr. Dave Parker, how you doing?
1: quantity over quality all day every day (laughs) and i know that it was mentioned in the 84 episode bo mentioned mcdonald's i very much am a mcdonald's kind of guy (laughs) billion served. so uh yeah I, I ran this morning, 89 minutes, got up early on a Saturday to do it. It was colder than usual. My nipples feel weird. Let's get this over with.
5: Yeah. Oh, I don't know why.
3: It's weird. It is I weird. wonder if, like, I'm some empath because my nipples felt weird when I woke up today.
0: If it makes you maybe, feel the better, Ming's... too much McDonald's. No, Ming's look weird. Does that count? Does that <laughs> I don't know. Bro, do they feel soft weird soft. to other people? Um, you'd like, to everyone.
3: Where's Corinne? Mm-hmm. Let's get her on here and let's...
0: <laughs> like to, to date this recording tonight she's sitting down and interviewing me for my the the ninth anniversary episode and i was like that so you know there's some questions in there about like horror in the podcast and she's like oh no. <laughs> no, no 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 um so i i just reminded her before we start recording so she doesn't have to mention it on air. it's nine inches in veiny um so we don't need to mention it on air. uh so we'll there we are about your nipples then Yes, weird, I told you, they look weird. Nine inches in veiny. Um right, let's... maybe you're pregnant. <laughs> I'm always pregnant. <laughs> that that explains my belly. That's what I tell everyone. Um uh-huh. so right, we have two movies on this episode going head to head. Now originally we had three, but we have done um we've done pretty much what the listeners will hear on the the nines episode, and that in the week running up to because it's towards the end of the recording schedule, I'm like can we not just shave a few off here which we duly did so originally on this episode we would have had the hills of eyes but i think we've all pretty much unless someone's gonna throw a curveball here pretty much agreed it didn't really stand a chance against the other two and that's not to say we don't enjoy it i think i can speak for us all as podcasters and say we all really fucking enjoy that movie but it it, it maybe doesn't necessarily cut the mustard on a series like this compared to the two movies that we have in place so we're going to be talking about how sue Um, the kind of Japan's answer to Siberia and um, Martin the kind of Romero's like massive swing and I would say home run on uh, the vampire subgenre a hugely influential movie in its own right and that's what's going head to head as always on these shows what we'll do is we'll go around I'll give some details we'll do many reviews and conversations we'll then come to the end and we will see where the chips fall Uh, in terms of our votes. Now, because this is no double episode kind of recording for for votes or anything, this is just going to be a binary yes or no from each of us, and the tipping point is if a movie gets four votes, it's through, Um, and that's as simple as that. It really only has to get four and then we is done. So we're going to start with Houseu, which is directed by an Asian man whose name is difficult to pronounce by a Scottish <laughs> man. Um, Bo, what, how do you pronounce this dude's name? Obayashi. Uh,
3: yeah, I believe so. Let me. I'll, I'll double check the map. Yeah, because well, you have an Asian
0: right. podcast and I don't. So. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, and I can't remember the director's name off the top of my head. I, I would I'm pronounce a, I'm an infidel. it infidel. Um, pro- yeah, obayashi.
0: Yeah, as a Scotsman, I would say Nobuhiko Obayashi. Yeah, um,
3: Hiko
0: yeah, is right. There we go. I will take that as a win. Boranstel has signed off on it, so it's now fact. Right, that's how that works. Uh, based on uh, <laughs> uh, based on some Asian people that wrote it. Um, there's also a lot of Asian people in the castle. Let's skip over them and jump straight to the synopsis, which is: a schoolgirl and six of her classmates, which would make them all schoolgirls, travel to her aunt's country home, which turns out to be haunted. Can you hear when that happens? some of the trivia here for you the script was partially inspired by obayashi's then 12 year old daughter um who is actually credited as one of the people who co-wrote this um she told him she had a fear when she used the mirror uh, that it would eat her so this is kind of part of the inspiration behind it all despite achieving unexpected commercial and critical success upon its release in japan the film was rarely seen in the united states until about 2009 once the film appeared in a dvd collection available in the west american audience members began to clamor for screenings of the film and it has since received overwhelmingly positive reviews from american audiences and has gained a cult-like following in that country in your country Folks, because you're all Americans and I'm not. I'm the heathen. Um, The film was commissioned by Toho Studios in reaction to the success of foreign horror films like Jaws from 1975 and designed to be a domestic reflection of the successful Western films on the genre. And lastly, nearly all of the actors that appear in this film were largely untrained or inexperienced in terms of acting in feature films. The only true veteran of the big screen to appear in this film was Yoko Minim... <laughs> I should have done that. It was Yoko. Yoko Ono uh, was the only person... <laughs> <laughs> and she played the auntie. I just want to stress it's not Yoko Ono. I was doing that for comedic effect just before someone goes, Yoko Ono's not this film, you fucking idiot. Um she could be uh right um like i said before i uh I, i'm gonna i'm gonna defer to my colleague boransdell has already spoken uh, a little bit here uh, but you have you've reviewed this on your show um as part of the hero hero Go show back in the day. um give us a little bit of information on why you love house
3: yeah i i just don't think there's anything quite like it mm-hmm. you know even in a lot of japanese cinema which it can be um, you know for, for looking from the outside very weird and and unusual to begin with and Halsu sits as kind of an unusual entry in an already unusual uh sort of context um it's the best movie you're ever gonna see about female puberty mm. uh or one of them certainly and and explicitly menstruation uh you know in, especially that, in the
0: <laughs> it's just <sighs>
3: Sure. Sure. No. It. No one's denying it's sexy. Uh, not good. No. Um. It's. It, it, it's. It's. really like. It, it's just a work of art, right? It, it's interesting. It's surreal. Um. There's plenty of subtext to the film that, even though you know, uh Obayashi talked about how his daughter uh, influenced it, but it was also not just influenced by his daughter's imagination but it was also influenced by his own perspective on his daughter getting older yeah and you know i mean we're going to talk about other great movies or another great movie in this discussion and to kind of paraphrase something uh, i said earlier like sometimes you want uh, a cheeseburger and sometimes you want a really nice steak and sometimes you want a bunch of spaghetti with mango thrown on top. And it oh. doesn't sound like it's going to go together. Doesn't. But then you taste it and it's delicious. It sounds amazing. <laughs> right. So, yeah, it, it it's like I said, it, it's just un, it's unusual in almost every respect. But it still hangs together and it's still really fun and really entertaining. And, you know, has all these wild visuals that almost uh, harken to like Uh, like Hanna-Barbera animation at times Mm. and you've got talking heads throwing up water and I mean it's it's just bizarre like we'll we'll talk about you know a Raimi movie later and it has that kind of Raimi vibe of everything is just careening all over the place and I still think it comes together in a pretty cohesive way I it's a tremendous movie I I think Halsu now that it's kind of part of the the horror lexicon in in uh modern horror critical thinking um that there it it is just a monument in in that history of horror films of like here was a director who did something within the genre that is just wildly inventive and and like i said there's just so much meat on the bone Mm. to kind of talk about you could write any number of essays about how and provide really interesting perspectives whether it's you know the role of auntie and and the idea of her as uh like stereotypical old-fashioned maternity mm-hmm. but also there's a, a weirdly feminist angle to the movie which seems not just strange within Japanese cinema, cinema but 70s
0: Japanese cinema 100 percent, yeah
3: yeah so it, there are just a number of reasons that makes how just like from again from a critical eye a fascinating movie but that also sells short how much fun it is to watch when you have one of the characters name is Kung Fu and yeah. how do you not enjoy a movie <laughs> where one of the characters names is Kung Fu so yeah I, I think Haosu's is tremendous it's it's one of my favorite not just Japanese horror films it's one of my favorite horror movies ever made
0: yeah just to kind of piggyback on some of the stuff you were saying I mean if you look at like specific list time period in and the, the the country's cinema output and um, occasionally got the badass chick um, but it was mostly kind of crime and kung-fu movies, it wasn't necessarily anywhere near the, the, the kind of horror side of things. Um, and, and most of the, those movies before, even when you're looking at movies like Onibaba or even something like Kuroneko, um the kind of female perspective on things is more of the terror than it is necessarily on the, 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 kind, of, the, the kind of protagonist side of things. So, you know, it's very it's, it's very ahead of its country's curve, which, I mean, let's be honest, it, like, it's still taking time to catch up, even in 2022. Um, it's still a little bit behind that um, in those respects. I think as well, like, the, the idea of this complete fusion of kind of pulpy pop culture and cinema probably shouldn't work as well as it does here. Um, I think that's a testament to... This movie genuinely feels like nothing was, like, off the table. Like, like any yeah. any kind of ludicrous idea was maybe tried. Um, and it just so happens most of them worked. Uh, and those are the ones that make the, the, the final movie. I, I kind of agree with you in terms of... It's very difficult to compare how so to anything else. I kind of flippantly at the start compared it to Suspiria. And it came out the same year as Suspiria. So it's not as if, you know, Suspiria came out and they're like, let's make that... Um, it's just, you know, like, I compare it to that because they're both, you know, the kind of schoolgirls, both set in one central location, and there's a well, there's weird things afoot in the building. Um, but that's kind of where the comparisons stop, but in the way that that movie probably shouldn't work as well as it does, this movie is a testament to just really creative filmmaking. And then you add, like, some of the elements of horror on the top of that, and they're very imaginative, like, very, very, very strange, off the wall, and, and at times a little bit unsettling. And I think that's where the movie kind of levels up for me because being able to craft a movie that does, like, a hundred things, and even a hundred things well, doesn't necessarily make a cohesive watch. And how so is, like, surprisingly is. Like, there's so many bits in this that should be the straw that breaks a camel's back, but doesn't. Actually, if anything, just adds to the enjoyment value. Um, I was kind of later to this one, since so we've been, like... Oh, kind of um, very end of uh, the the early twenty ten. not long before I started podcasting, um, was when I checked the house for the first time, and yeah, there's one that I could, you know, very easily put on pretty much any time and just sit down and, and, and be absorbed by the bonkers world that it creates so yeah it's 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 um uh, i think if you were d- like doing the mountain rushmore of japanese horror films and house who wasn't on it i'd have to check who wrote the list to make sure they were blocked um so <laughs> 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 um right let's let's keep this this uh this uh, conversation going um dan thoughts on house
5: Yes. Um, Duncan, you said people were clamoring for this. Um, That blows my mind. First of all, um, I think I watched the wrong movie. I watched uh, House with Real American Heroes. (laughs) Um, Believe it or not, I'm walking on it. Um, No. (laughs) No. do i now do i get more points for watching the wrong movie or does jerry herring get more points for not showing up <laughs> um, oh, my, my whole thing is this look we talked about this on another on another uh year duncan yeah um and i i think i i think i can classify this movie as like a horror comedy right like i i know it's not comedic in all senses, but it's like Bo said, it's pretty fucking out there at times. Yeah. And I think because of that, um, I just, uh, guys, I fucking hated this movie. <laughs> I fucking, <laughs> fucking stupid as hell. Like I, again, I'm mm. I'm genuinely curious, and I'll, I'm still curious as to what the fuck Bo just said because I didn't see any of that, and I want to <laughs> see what everybody else has to say because of it too. Because yeah. again, I said this on the other shows you are all smarter people than i am like i i want to know i need to know like what the fuck is it about a fucking head biting a girl's ass and a fucking piano chopping off her fingers and she's not even scared at first but she only reacts when then the piano slams down literally makes no fucking sense it reminds me of another movie on another year that we watched for this fucking summer series lost highway which makes absolutely even less fucking sense but everybody sucks its dick because it's david lynch all hail david lynch let me tell you something right now Oh The more fucking psychedelics <laughs> than fucking anybody okay that is not that does not mean it's oh it makes a good movie as far out as you can fucking go to me anyways lost to
0: highway people, totally makes sense like we we have a yeah, conversation. It's all, it's
3: all about
5: the
0: OJ Simpson trial. It's hundred percent about the OJ Simpson <laughs> it, totally it's yeah. yeah, it's hundred percent about the OJ Simpson That bravo. explains the
1: casting. That explains the casting Look, of Robert Blake then.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
5: can, I, can I ask you any question about that movie? This is big for me because I I waited all, like a lot of years to watch this. I finally fucking watched it for the summer series. Yeah. Completely let down, first of all, but on top oh, no. of that. Was that not Corey Haim uh, as one of the friends with Gary Busey in that scene? I could have swore I saw Corey it
0: wouldn't surprise me. I, I'm, I'm i'm trying, I can't. Remember. The cast is ridiculous for that, man. It's like one of the most right. quoted casts ever of people where you're like, Holy shit, is that? Um, I was like, This
5: is a fucking silver bullet and I was like, Holy yeah. shit. But, anyways, that's the only thing I got from that movie. Everything else, incoherent mess, as far as this movie is <laughs> concerned, too. All those things Bo was talking about, I was like, what the fuck does he mean like fucking uh, puberty i like i don't listen all these things just go right over my head the fucking hated this movie the coolest part is the fucking white cat and that's all i really got to say about housing <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> the dude doesn't like to fly what the fuck does that mean it
5: doesn't mean anything it's <laughs> just going co- go here and fucking mess
0: oh i'm gonna try and do the weirdest shit possible and people
5: are gonna fucking love it what, and surprisingly what? they fucking do <laughs> train train
3: what oh, the fuck fucking... happened to the bus?
5: <laughs> right! Like, what is this? Is this the magic school bus? Are we going in somebody's fucking throat out of their fucking ass? Because that's how I felt.
0: I'm. What I think we can take away from this is we're curious to see where your vote falls at the end here uh that I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure i, think it's I know
5: cool. I loved it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, right let's uh, let's continue this round uh, let's go to dave parker
1: uh yeah you know everybody knows where i stand on these movies uh but to be brutally honest it's it familiarity plays a, a major part in this mm. and this is my second watch of Houseu, and i was fully prepared to try to come in and be like oh this movie sucks but the first time i watched it i loved it the second time i loved it more I am a fan of weird, bizarre cinema. This is a gorgeous film. Um, I do have points against it, only I'll talk about those with Martin. Mm-hmm. But as far as House is concerned, I see like similarities coming in for more movies. Like later on, like Gozu, the forsaken oh, yeah. thing by God. It's very much like that. Even the schoolgirls going to the house, looking in the mirror, and happiness of the katakuras. Just the bizarre absurdity in other films i love that basically the schoolgirls are like the japanese version of the seven doors they're all just these character types it's so cute um and also it's essentially just a live action scooby doo with murder it's fucking bonkers like the the map paintings it's it's a strange film it's not very approachable for a lot of people so Mm -hmm. i can understand dan like what why like but it, this is <laughs> yeah, an acquired required. taste you know it's like forcing a 7 year old grandmother to eat sushi for the first time and expecting her to like it it's just like I don't know what the shit is but yeah. you know what I mean like I didn't like sushi the first time I ate it so I understand why people don't like this movie but I genuinely really do like it and I, I was kind of torn um by you know re-watching this uh but like I said the, the one problem is the other two movies that I already picked are both absurdist surreal movies Eraserhead and Suspiria this is also true t- you yeah. somehow managed to pick all three of the same movies. There are only three movies are like that from this year. Yeah. It's a bad representation of the 70s as a whole, as 1977 mm. as a whole, because everything else is not like this. But um, if it was arguing Head versus House Suit, I don't even know which one I'd pick because I think they're both great. If it was up to me, we'd throw 1997 in the fucking garbage and not pick any of those three movies and fill it with 77 and 87 movies because there's obviously a quality disparity yeah. there a major one and yeah house that... is, it, yeah it, it's just crazy i mean house is a beautiful movie like i have nothing against it i i genuinely love it if i've been watching it for 20 years it might be above martin but i highly doubt it i think martin is an endlessly interesting movie to me personally i, I pull more
0: from him. you can't throw 77 in the bin because they will lose Suspiria. You no, can't.
1: I don't mean that. I say we throw 97 in the bin. Uh, right, okay, yeah, yeah. No, well, that's, there's no debate there. i you, game, Parker. I'll no, game. 97 is no garbage. debate there. We throw away Event Horizon and even Funny Games and whatever the fuck's going to make it for the third pick and we fill it with 77 movies <laughs> and 87 know. movies and we call it a day.
0: There's a man there's that knows fine well. There's a man that knows that we haven't recorded that episode yet so didn't give away anything. Thank you very much, Dave. I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I would never do that. <laughs> Who, this guy? Um, also, Mar- oh, Wolf <laughs> mark final thoughts on House uh
4: so this is like the second or third time that i've seen this movie and i definitely think that like set and setting is important when sitting down to watch this movie because uh my mileage varied greatly on this rewatch that it did like in previous ones so I, I, I always thought this was just like such a fucking dense movie that this would take like about a hundred rewatches before you can really uh like really get a good grasp on it and on this rewatch i kind of just found this movie like aggressively obnoxiously weird like every single <laughs> shot and every single frame and every single edit is My a man. weird choice and i kind of find it fucking exhausting like it's like the i agree with dan the the story in this is fucking pure nonsense like there is no fucking narrative running through this as far as I could tell and definitely on this rewatch I was just like I don't (laughs) this isn't really this is this is barely a movie this is more like a collage like (laughs) art like it's like fabric sculpture or something like but I mean all that being said this is also like the fucking Star Wars of acid movies like you don't you don't sit down and watch some movie like this for the fucking story you you turn the sound down and you put on dark side of the moon and you fucking eat your your hallucinogenic substance of choice and you'll probably have a fucking great time but yeah sitting down to watch this like stone cold sober after like a 12 hour work day i was just like so fucking turned off by this I watched it this time i'll probably give it another shot in a few years and like yeah, actually to try and do it a little bit differently but um yeah, I, I I think your 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 liking of this movie is greatly going to depend on like your tolerance for really abstract experimental shit. Like, I mean, and also all that being said, the one note that I took for this entire batch of recordings that we're doing here today was I wrote down somewhere that uh, how Sue makes Suspiria look like Clerks. <laughs> I'm
0: not was supposed to be here
1: today. <laughs> what are you saying? it makes how a look minimalistic
4: yeah <laughs> okay. So that's where I'm at with this one. I have slight, slight mixed feelings on this one. Yeah, I
0: think your mileage will Oh yeah, I think it's um, I think what we what we're taking away from that one as well that you're still on the fence as well. Excellent. That's good to that's good to know. Uh, let's swing to our second and final movie of this episode before we get down to brass tacks. This is Martin, written and directed by George A. Romero. Uh, the synopsis for this one is a young man who believes himself to be a vampire goes to live with his elderly and hostile cousin in a small Pennsylvania town where he tries to redeem. Um, his blood craving urges Uh, the movie stars John Amplis, Lincoln Mazel, uh, Christine Forrest, uh, Tom Savini, Sarah Venable, uh, Roger Cain, George E. Romero a cameo appearance here as well Um, some trivia for this one Uh, it's often to be said that this is George E. Romero's personal favourite of all the films he did the original cut of the film ran nearly 2 hours 45 minutes in length And as of 2021 this version has never been screened uh, publicly and was often considered lost until it was rediscovered through the efforts of a romero scholar called kevin crease and the living dead museum it's also worth noting that originally i've talked about this movie quite a lot in the last year it looked like it was going to make its way onto the second site 4k release and that has broken down now so i imagine if you're buying the 4k release from second sight expect very quickly after another release which has this one here so you will most likely end up owning two copies of martin very similar to what they did with the cabal cut of nightbreed where it was finally put out and it was like a director's cut and then like (laughs) like less than a month later where people like ah but this is the cabal cut and I was like, ah, but I'm not spending any more money on this movie. Uh, so they can keep it. Uh, George A. Romero originally wanted to direct this film entirely in black and white, but the producers didn't want to risk this experiment and insisted that the majority of the film be in colour. Um, and finally, uh, the last bit of trivia we'll do here. Uh, during a screening and interview at USC, director George Romero... Related that the MPAA objected to the shot of Martin slicing open someone's arm with a razor blade The entire shot would have earned the film the notorious X rating X to the Z and it's all in the family And so he had to trim down by several seconds The length of the shot, not the subject matter, was questionable Uh, Right Dave, you can already have set us up with this You uh, are going to do the old uh, opening statement they we do doing uh, court here so that the floor is yours, sir thoughts on martin
1: okay so basically i did write an essay but i realized i'm trying to paraphrase it but some of it's going to sound very written and very staged um, i've apologized for that i'll try to go as quick as i can and it's only basically brushing the surface on a lot of these things so it is romero's favorite film Followed by Night Riders. Um, mm. The thing about it is context, 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 and you have an advantage when you're talking about old films that you have that and you can see how it reflects nowadays and everything like that. Mm. To me, Romero's films get better with age. Um, there's a lot of things to love and enjoy in this, and I think the weaknesses of it are basically the strengths. You know, Houseu, they, they, the strengths of Houseu are the weaknesses, and vice versa. They, they basically are not perfect films. One is inept in a lot of ways, but also beautiful. And one is kind of ugly, but it helps it out. And it's just very straightforward. I mean, there's a lot of themes and concepts. So they're complete opposites of film, to be honest. That's why they're good going head to head because their strengths and weaknesses, I think, kind of counter each other. So um uh there's a lot of regional qualities here you know had a lot of the same cast and crew so for romero fanatics and stuff you get this kind of family quality about it um the movie is a movie of themes and you know everyone's divided you have urbanization science generational divides and superstition and religion in this film they're one and the same we have uh, a lot of the concepts and these ideas and concepts basically also reflect the inner turmoil of the director and his career if you guys know romero Mm -hmm. um the mental illness versus superstition is brilliantly portrayed, I think. You have um, Kuda, who is Martin's cousin. Basically, I'll come with his uncle, just because we have another cousin as well in there. But he basically believes Martin to actually be a vampire. He believes these tropes and all this kind of shit. He, and, he, and Martin is kind of torn in between. Well, like, the younger cousin obviously th- sees it as mental illness. But this family has had this nurture for so long, this messed up mental illness that they call everybody a vampire. And Martin's, like, kind of torn in the middle of it. Now... He sometimes seems like he doesn't believe it, but at times he he has the urge to go after victims and and suck their blood. And like many serial killers, we see the fantasy world of Mark, which is is very intelligent and very early for this kind of thing to see the serial killers fantasy element in his head. And we see it in a brilliant way. We see it as a classic Gothic romantic vampire movie. But then when we see it in reality, we actually see like a tragedy of errors all the time, clumsy falling down and everything. And it's, again, we have all these, this thing, these two ideologies being simultaneously represented in the film, which I think is brilliant. Um, see the problem with this movie that a lot of people that first watch or, or glimpse at it, they say they get hung up on the idea is Martin a vampire or not. But the mm. truly interesting points of the film are why and how Martin and uncle Cuda see him, Martin as a vampire or not, not that he is. It's how they, rep- they see it. Um, There's a lot, like I said, the conversation with Cuda and Tom Savini, all urbanization, you know, and that also reflects to Romero. This dying town is a perfect drop back. You know, it it reflects Romero being a Pittsburgh filmmaker and supporting all these people and them supporting him, but him having the idea to possibly leave for greener pastures. And he eventually did for Canada. Did it help him or not? We don't know different times, but it's, it's inner turmoil for him. And then we also have the conversation with the priest, the Ancuda, which is brilliant because Cuda is talking about the old superstitious ways and all these things. And this is what the people want here. And this priest is more concerned about talking about the exorcist and drinking wine. Um, so, so again, like it reflects Romero's career. Like I said, the Pittsburgh thing, but also the point at the very end. The, where martin calls the radio host and he discusses his life with him and be, it could be looked at as someone you know he loves hearing of uh, loves hearing yet they don't fully embrace him until he's gone like they mm-hmm. love hearing him like night of the living dead they love seeing all that stuff and then when he's gone they, they you know they laugh at him but then they call him back like they're like where's martin i you know they're interested in him they want him to continue but when he's gone you know it's kind of that thing there but then like here here's another thing here's another point i have about this like so the two other films picked are colorful or surreal choices that are far from anything else in 77 with with the exception of course house Mm -hmm. that shares a lot of similarities of course 1977 is a very nihilistic year we had environmental messages with orca a world of plague and destruction with rabid gritty vengeance films like hills of eyes the condemnation of the church with ala and we have Martin, a film that tackles tons of social messages and themes on a human level. It follows a long line of tragic endings that Romero's infamous for. Night of the Living Dead, Season of the Witch, The Crazies, and then Dawn of the Dead, but that was not too downbeat. But then we had Night Riders, and of course Martin. The ultimate irony. the only He's killed for the only person he didn't kill. Not to mention this movie is also a brilliant coming of age movie. So, although with the exception of Bo, who's a vastly intelligent man, I must say so myself, um, before you place your final vote, I just want to say that most people would write a high-level college paper on Martin and House. Well, people are going to get high in college and watch it.
0: Oh. oh. Uh, oh Borans?
1: Yeah, that was, that. I, I actually, like... It was cluttered. I know it was cluttered no, no, it's because no, I'll I tried that. to condense an essay and I was stumbling over my words. I apologize. But I also... That's very well said. Even yeah, you saying don't. anything negative about House 2 because I love it. And if it was up to me... Houseu, you know, it's. I love all four of the love the movies that we, the two went through, and the two discussed. They're probably my top hundred favorite horror movies. It's really hard to compete them. I just have to give Romero some props. He's my guy. So, win Dave or lose, Parker
5: showed up and wrote an essay. That yeah. Jerry Herring didn't even show up.
0: <laughs> Poor Jerry Herring is sitting without power right now. No, this new- is the
1: second time Jerry Herring has dodged out on an episode with me. I feel like he hates me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that's why,
1: because you bring the heat.
0: Uh, right, I let's mean, swing to Bo though. Thoughts on Martin?
3: Well, first of all, uh, I, I appreciate being called an intelligent person. I thought you were about um, to say, that,
0: the, like, the classic Bo line, which is, was it, sit down and shut up, you ignorant slut.
3: <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> ducking you ignorant slut. That's... Um, yeah. In, in fairness, not my line, that's an old Aykroyd line. But, um no uh i mean it's hard to disagree with that like i love martin Mm. i think i think martin is a tremendous film and you know for a lot of the reasons uh that you know they've just very well articulated so i won't you know uh retill that soil but um yeah in addition to that i think it's there's a somberness to Mm. the the atmosphere of martin i think it's a very um it, it, aside from it, it, it kind of trafficking in, in realism, as, as strange as the subject matter is, it, 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 you know, because it is also dealing with you know urbanization and kind of urban blight and that sort of thing. That there's a this very grim and dour tone to the movie that I think is more horrific than a lot of the you know potentially supernatural ideas of the film. Um, yeah, I mean, how do you impugn Papa Bear's you know foray into vampire movies which really much like his zombie films they're not really about the zombies it's not about the vampire stuff it's about something much more you know socio-political and yeah it's terrific Martin's amazing it's, it's a it you know is it Romero's best movie I mean it's in the conversation if it's not the best then it's it's in the top two or three for sure so yeah I, I got nothing bad to say about Martin i'm not here to, to sling stones
0: <laughs> i think um that there will be a massive reappraisal of that movie when the blu rays released i think I as agree. well yeah i think i think you're going to find a lot of people changing opinions pretty quick on that just because it's notoriously difficult to get a proper you know a proper like detailed remastered version of it um but I think don't you
3: that, think that though i mean especially since uh romero's death i'm, I'm sorry not to catch you off, yeah, but yeah. i mean even since romero's death don't you feel like martin just in our lifetime uh has has kind of gotten somewhat of a reappraisal uh, uh, already i'm not yeah, saying that it yeah. wasn't but i, I mean think... it kind of went from oh it's that weird vampire movie that romero did between zombie films to like now this is maybe one of his best films
0: yeah, so, but I th- I th- yeah i think i think a lot of that's um uh, trafficked in the way that his career was looked upon you know what i mean it like it, it will always be regardless i mean that the, he could have made the like the definitive political thriller and we would still like as a collective group be talking about the zombie movies um it's weird because everything he really touched his hand to for the most part uh certainly in the earlier part of his career went on to shape the genre which I mm-hmm. find fascinating. Like everything he took a swing at, like he really, like he, the ripple effects sometimes weren't just evident like within like a couple of years. Which they are now. If a movie's successful now, with the following year, you've got five versions of that movie. Uh, back then, it sometimes took a bit of time to work its way through. And I see the effects of Martin, or just the telling of of, um, of vampirism in movies. We talked about it. That kind of almost the 20-year itch mark when you look at the 90s and you have a movie like Habit and The Addiction out in the same year, which are two filmmakers who are talking about vampirism, but it's actually about addiction itself. Um, And they're just using that as a vehicle to do the conversation on it, which is kind of what Martin is playing with as well. There must have been something in the water as well, because the the, the way he's talking about urbanisation, you know, is, is kind of echoed in... There's a really obscure movie in the UK called Requiem for a Village, um, which is really worth your time if you can track it down it's very very strange it's kind of folk horror but done in a different way uh, kind of 70s British way without like pagans and shit um, and it is kind of dealing with the same idea uh, like this kind of urbanisation and the inevitable growth um, that comes with you know like people just wanting to expand Without making myself a communist here, capitalism and all its, its vices. So um, I think Martin's fucking brilliant. So like this was uh this is the third time I've watched this movie again this year. Um so and I what this was the last one I saved myself out of all the rewatches uh to sit down and do this one. And across the board is a movie that I like like a very, very, very nice wine only gets better. Um and like the thing about it is there's a there really is a depth in the filmmaking here, which I think you know, like until subsequent watches, I, I start to pick more and more out of. Um, he's always known for that kind of subtext for sure, but it's actually even more subtle than that. Um, I, this is one of the few films that I genuinely would like to see all in black and white. Most of the times when I hear that, my n- nutsack titans and I'm like, oh, do, <laughs> do I do have to do this. Of, like, people like, oh, that new Mad Max movie came out. Here's the black and white version. I'm like, do we need the black and white version? Do we actually need that? Because the colours look kind of fucking bitching. But in the case of this one, like you you get that you get the intention there. You get I see certain shots in them like that, right? That's you know the the lighting is specifically composed that way. It's very 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 smart. It's got a, a very smart script as well. Um, it's never preachy, which I kind of love about Romero movies. I mean the message is in there, but it's never there's never a man standing at a soapbox waving a finger at you. And then the score, the score of this movie, which I, I know we kind of briefly touched on, but something I definitely want to touch on. I think is great as well. I think it just all hangs together, like exquisitely in a way which just rewards me every time I sit down and watch it. And yeah, I, I mean, it's one of those conversations where I, I'm probably but you guys. I think, you know, this is in my top three Romero movies, maybe in my top two, um, but I don't want to make enemies on this call. So I think it's fucking great. I I was very excited to see it make our shortlist of conversations but we're once again in pretty much the same position we were when we actually recorded the 1977 show and that there's a lot of movies here that are really fucking good and few spaces to put them through. Uh, Let's go to Dan Chase thoughts on Martin.
5: Well, my my first thought is I love Bo's quote about Mr. Parker's um, essay. Yes, but I'm not going to retell that soil. because <laughs> I mean, really, he's got a point. Like, what more do you say? Because uh, he definitely broke it down eloquently. No, um, I love Martin. Uh, great UPN sitcom ran from '92 to '97. <laughs> once, the, once Wanda was was integrated, I really did think the show was elevated. Oh. To a point where you just forgot about Cole, you know, <laughs> you just forgot about the side characters. So it really came into its own. No. Um, My favorite <laughs> thing
0: about it is like you—you you have that joke. You're like, you did it earlier on, and you're like, I'm going to do it again. But I'm actually going to make sure that it's not just like a throwaway punchline. I'm going to put meat on those bones by describing that show. I love it. I love it. Man. Every time, every fucking time. <laughs>
5: uh, no, I thought this movie was great. Uh We had an interview with Tom Savini, and I didn't know that this was his first meeting with romero and he just came in as an actor and i thought that was really cool so Mm. gave me a reason to watch it and then it popped up on this show as well which gave me even more reason to watch it and uh i dug it i like what the thing that you said duncan about um addiction it's very much um you know romero's movies are how people interact with each other or people's reactions to things right and uh, what Mr. Park was saying about you got two sides of it. You got the people that do believe you, do but and in addiction you run into those things where you know if you're an addict you lose fucking everything. You lose trust in everybody. Everybody thinks you're one thing, and it's it's a very hard uphill battle to get people's trust back. So uh, when I watched it, uh, that echoed in my mind a lot and i thought that it was very nicely laid out um you know and and at the same time they're telling a vampire movie but vampire movies have always kind of been like versions of that and to think that he did this vampire movie way back then and it says so much about just people in general i thought it was fucking brilliant too i i didn't think i was gonna like it as much as i did but i i I really dug it and i like the ambiguous angle of it as well because in the end, it really doesn't matter. Uh, Well, maybe it does for a movie like this. He is fucking sucking people's blood out. So yeah, I guess that matters. But uh, like, are you a vampire or just an asshole? So um, I I don't know, I I really dug this movie and it was cool to see, um, you know, the meeting of Savini and Romero and, knowing what he did right after this movie with dawn of the dead was oh wow okay that's it gives me somewhat perspective because again i don't know a lot about this stuff i know when we were talking about like the crazies on the last show dave you had so much to say about it and it was very interesting i wanted to give that a second watch but just his career in general romero's career in general and how poignant he is in talking about society and and you know and how it's reflected through his films i find it very interesting and it's something that i want to go through even more um because i am merely still a pagaan but i loved it i i fucking love this
0: movie awesome right let's swing it to mark final thoughts on martin
4: yeah, I'll, I'll keep this kind of brief because we covered this on doing the nasty not too long ago, and we got real, real deep into this movie. Uh, I love Martin. This is my favorite George Romero movie that doesn't have the word "dead" in the title. Um, I it's it's like ah, it's, it's such a beautiful movie. It's it's got this just weird like sad like dreamlike quality to it, like and it's it's just like especially I think for the time, it's just weird enough that like you're never really sure what what direction it's going in and it's told in kind of an unconventional way and I I think it's 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 unique even just in like George Romero's like filmography like he never I don't know this this was like a weird this and the crazies were a weird like branching point between like his like early days where he was like you know pretty experimental and doing a lot of weirder shit and then like you know once you know Dawn of the Dead came out I think and uh, definitely by the time Day of the Dead comes out, he, he's kind of... He'd he he he'd become the master director that we know and love. But, uh, yeah, they, I will always have a special place in my heart for Martin. It's 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 such a fucking great movie. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I don't really have a whole lot else to add to this. Check, check out that Doing the Nasty episode, because I was one of the better ones, I think.
0: This is why you're on Doing the Nasty, Mark, because you are better at cross-promotion than I am. So, <laughs> well done. Uh, right... Let's get down to it then. Two movies, one space left. I can reveal, although I don't think it's going to be a surprise to anyone here, um, that Jerry's pick for this episode was Hausu, which gives Hausu one. Uh, Let's work our way round. Boransdale, where is your vote going? Is it Hausu or Martin?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think these are both terrific films. I'm going to go Hausu just because that's my jam. I I love japanese cinema i love how weird this is i also did what can be described as a herculean amount of hallucinogens in my (laughs) life and maybe that has something to do with it i won't deny that i had a great time um so that is perhaps uh why i'm voting house but yeah i think if you've never seen house at least give it a shot because it's a wonderful film
0: was like you're not my real mom giant talking elephant uh, nice. <laughs> give me another tab <laughs> right that is 2 for Hausu let's go to Mark Ball where's your vote going buddy
4: I am voting for Martin
0: that's 2-1 still to Hausu let's go to Dan Chase Martin that is 2-2 two, two. let's go to Dave Parker do the right thing of course
1: uh, you see uh, the problem is Hausu may be more fun to watch but when you go to talk about it, for me, being an American boy, it's just not as much contextual for me to talk about. And Martin is just something real close to me, I feel, you know, and I Martin can get to me. Martin just is it's so American and it's so, you know, I, I'm from Ohio, that area. It just speaks to me. And I think that there's more interesting things to talk about for Martin for myself, although I think House is great. And like I said, if, if we could get rid of one of those 97 picks and just go through I. <laughs> fine with that but totally uh, good martin, yep
0: martin 100 <laughs> once again that's not how the game's played um you just try to change the rules uh, right so that is three to two in favor of martin i have the final vote um just <laughs> just to add like misery to myself why did i leave myself here i should have went the other way this feels like a bad idea um yeah, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm not even gonna create like any sort of deadlock here. I'm gonna place my vote beside Martin. Uh, the reason I'm gonna do that is because on the rewatch this particular week, uh, going through Hausu. I mean, Houseu is my jam. It's you know, it's the sort of thing that, like I said before, I can switch on pretty much any time and just sit down and just let it wash over me and all its, its wacky craziness. Uh, and it speaks to me on that level. I think Martin dares to try more and succeeds in a lot of respects while being wholly conventional. It's harder to, I think, input the messaging that it does in this film with the confidence that it does and deliver it in a manner and a budgetary constraint that the movie did have overall and it hang together without the scenes showing in a way where some of the bits that maybe don't always hold together but are hugely entertaining for me and how so can be hidden by the the realms of how wacky it actually is. Your your eyes are like feasting on so much stuff that it's like it can be maybe ten minutes later before you're like, did that? What was that actually? And did that actually hold together? and Was that hallucin, or, like a hallucination, or was that actual reality? And in the Martin perspective, like there isn't any really room at all here to put your foot wrong because if it does, it kind of tears down huge sections in the movie. So. Um, with that in mind, uh, I am putting my deciding vote here with Martin, giving Martin four to two over Houseu and putting it through to represent this year, which we've already mentioned has the has two of the most amazing movies ever made in A Razorhead and Suspiria. Right, gents, was that, that was an easy one. <laughs> Super easy. Um, and it's all gonna get easier as we as we carry through here. Um, I want to thank the hosts who have joined me on this episode. We are gonna be back tomorrow with 1987. I wonder what movies will be discussed there. You can give it a bit of thought and come back and let me know what you think it is. I'm gonna be closing out the show and I'm gonna be doing it right after this. <laughs> You're listening to The Podcast Under The Stairs. And you've been listening to The Podcast Under The Stairs. We did it, we did it, we did it. Episode 389 is in the can. And boy, how did we do? We did well. That's what I'm going to say. Pat in the back. I may be a shock. Potentially, I'm not entirely sure. You can never know with these things for sure. What I can see is that we have selected Georgie A. Romero's Martin to go ahead and join Suspiria and Eraserhead, marking the three films representing 1977. Three auteurs of cinema just doing the deed, just running that train right through the summer series. I am very happy to see the released. So that is our official picks. However, <laughs> couldn't have been more out the way um, if we tried when it came to the listener votes, which I posted in the poll on the Facebook group page earlier today. I said, what one of the three? Um, and The Hills Have Eyes got 11%. Martin got 26%, which means Houseu dominated the people's vote by 63%, so there you go on that one, Um, I don't know if sometimes people are voting what they think I'm going to put through, what they think the hosts are going to put through, or what they actually want to go through, because if that's the case, I'm super surprised there's that many Howsoo fans out there, as much as I love that movie, it is still relatively obscure, so uh, that does my heart good to see that, ladies and gents, does my heart good there's a multitude of ways to check out podcasts under What if you're listening right now hit subscribe that way you get the shows as and when they drop access to the entire back catalogue of tea puts content ladies and gents ladies and gents you can of course support me even further if you do a little bit of a deep dive on that T-Puts collective yeah it's true go check out T-Puts collective we've four shows over there that recording curate for you with more movie talk not necessarily predicated on horror but it's certainly worth your time with familiar voices from the summer series making their way over there as well over there you can find shows like Where to Begin With Opera Omnia Doing the Nasty and Chronicle as well as all their archives supporting and subscribing to the Teapots Collective and the podcast Under the Stairs is the best way it literally is the best way to support what I do under the stairs anyway ladies and gents let's continue this on, we have a website which is an easier way to find all the shows if that's what you want, Teapotscast.com. Um, links to everything there as well as a link to Jaws Shite and other regrettable outbursts a booze-based banter entertainment podcast that I am bringing back I, I promise I'm bringing it back, I'm going to try and get it back this month although we're all hella busy, I'm going to try and get us back on uh, to do another one of those great episodes. It is a ton of fun. It's highly embarrassing. You shouldn't listen to it, but at the same time, totally listen to it and recommend it to a friend. Jaws is written another regret black blackburst, exclusively available on tputzcast.com. If you're on Facebook and you want to interact with me over there, facebook.com forward slash groups, forward slash teaputzcast. gets you the podcast under the stairs. Uh-huh. See? See how I did that? You can interact with the polls that we post, post about horror movies you're interested in, just loads of stuff. Over there It's a ton of fun It's a great community Of people as well If you want to check out The Teapots Collective On Facebook Well that's a Facebook page And what we do Is post everything That I'm on on that So that's Facebook.com Forward slash t cast And lastly If you like your internet weird Jaws is shy, Has your back Facebook.com Forward slash groups Forward slash regrettable pod If you hate Facebook And you'd rather interact us On the twin prongs Of social media sexiness Instagram and Twitter Both myself and the bass Can be followed At t The Podcast Under The Stairs will return for you, dear listeners, tomorrow when we do this thing all over again, looking at 1987. So wherever you are, whatever the time zone is, and whatever you're up to in this big bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from Under The Stairs, and I am signing off.